Welcome to the Grace Hill Podcast, a weekly podcast of our Sunday messages driven by our pastor. Grace Hill exists to bring God's biblical truth to your everyday life. As we begin this week's message, we invite you to open your Bibles and capture what God has in store for you today. So we're in week four of our prayer series as, as we, we kind of wrap this up today as we bring this to a conclusion. And we've talked through different aspects and, and facets of prayer and the importance of prayer in our lives. And that's why the Tuesday night prayer has, has kicked off and why we're, why we're doing that because I'm trying to give practical application to the words that we're, we're teaching and the things that we're saying. And, and, and I've said this over and over that I want us to be known that as a church of prayer, that we are a church of prayer, that, that, that when people see us, they associate Grace Hill with a place of prayer. And that's my heart. That's my desire is to see us grow and flourish in this idea of prayer. And so today we want to continue that and, and, and kind of bring all of this to conclusion as we talk about prayer as a weapon. Now, I love sports movies, so sports movies have kind of been a, a, a thing of mine for a long time, even as a little kid, and there's been millions of them, and let's be real, most of them are actually cheesy movies anyways, but, but in the end, you go, okay, well, that was, it was great, I enjoyed it, and it's that, that warm, fuzzy feeling in the end that the team wins the game, and you go, yes, this is so good. I mean, I, I think back as a kid, movies like Sandlot. And Sandlot was just awesome. If you're, if you're a fan of baseball in any way, shape, or form, and, and these, these kids are, are it's all about trying to get this Babe Ruth signed ball back because the kid didn't know who it was. And he was like, it was Baby Ruth. They're like, Babe Ruth? And like, I, I think they all wanted to like kill the kid in the, end, you know, in the moment, but they fight the dog and they get the, it was great, you know? And in the end, they get the ball back and, and they win the day. Or I think about movies like Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year didn't quite get the same, you know, uh, love as Sandlot, but it's about this kid who broke his arm and it hit the tendons heel too tight. And now this kid throws it like 102 miles an hour or whatever, similar to my, my fastball. Um, (laughs) That's not even close to true. Uh, you know, this is this crazy thing, and in the end, they win the World Series, right? But then there's also great football movies, and, and now then there was more heartfelt and serious movies like Remember the Titans. Yeah, and everybody loves Remember the Titans, and it's a great movie, you know, and it's this, this whole deal of, of bringing the people that you did segregation and bringing it all. It's awesome. It's an incredible story. It's a great movie. But then, then there's this one movie that stands out in my mind above all, and this is very tongue-in-cheek, so hear me as I say this. There's a movie, it was a football movie that came out in the 90s called Remember the Giants. And it was awesome about these little kids that had, you know, no talent, no ability. They were smaller than the other kids. I really think that in the movie, it's like they, they got kids that were like eight years old to play on the little giants for the, you know, to play that part. And they got like 23-year-old men to play the, not quite, but it's like insane. Like, okay, something's wrong with this picture. These kids did not come, you know. But it's the coolest thing about this movie is that they have no reason to win. And on paper, they're, they're not as talented, they're not as fast, they're not as big, they're not as strong, they're not as understanding of the game. There's just so many things stacked against them. They should not win, right? But in the end, the game is close, and they have a secret weapon. It is a, a play that was helped des- being designed by the great John Madden, who shows up and helps design this play with his kid. And the play was called The Annexation of Puerto Rico. True story. I did not have to look this up to remember what it was called. And it's just the way my mind works. And it was this awesome thing where, where the play was designed around mass confusion and chaos. And yet one kid is there hiding, holding the ball in plain sight in the middle of the field while everybody else is chasing everybody else. And in the end, the little giants win the game. 
because they had a secret weapon, the annexation of Puerto Rico. It's a great moment in the movie where you go, hey, the underdogs are going to win yet again. And it makes you think of our lives and the way we function and operate on the the day-to-day. If you don't know, we are in a battle. If you don't know, we face spiritual battles constantly, daily. And a lot of times, it's things that we have, yes, in fact, set in motion for ourselves, because that is the law of, 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 of reaping and sowing, right? You will reap what you sow. But yet, in spite of that, there are other times and moments in our lives when we, in fact, face battles and difficulties that were brought on by external forces from the outside. And we, too, have a secret weapon. We have the power of prayer. We have the ability to connect to God and to go to the Lord and to use prayer to combat the forces of the enemy and the spiritual attacks that are all around us. And those, those attacks and those battles and those, those things that we face, they look different from person to person to person, but, but nonetheless, we face spiritual battles daily. And Paul writes to us in Ephesians and he explains to us how to be ready and how to be equipped to be able to cope with and to confront and battle against this thing that we're up against. And so we're going to look at Ephesians chapter, 10, chapter 6, verse 10 through 20. And we'll take a small break in the middle of this as we read this. But it says this, starting in verse 10, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So we'll pause right there for just a moment. Understand that Paul is explaining to us that that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against humans that are around us and people with with opposite or differing ideologies. It's not that that's not what our struggle and our fight is. Our fight is spiritual in nature. Our fight is against the rulers and the authorities of this dark world and the evil that is around us. That is who we're fighting. That is what we are up against. That is the, the battle in which we are in. So understand that, that, that in the context and in, in the reality of the world we live in, this is what we're fighting and what we're up against. It's plain and simple. It is spiritual warfare. Now, for some, that sounds like a scary thought and idea where you go, whoa, spiritual warfare, are demons gonna come out after me in my dreams? In my Listen, it's spiritual warfare. It's not, it's not some you know, horror film that we're trying to reinvent here. The reality is we are fighting against evil forces on the daily basis. And we have to be equipped and be ready. So Paul says to put on the full, full armor of God. So verse 13, therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Now, verse 18 through 20 is where we're gonna be today. So he says, all of this, this is the physical armor. He says, put all of this on. In the verse 18, he says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayer and request. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, my words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it 
fearlessly as I should. Prayer is the energy that enables the Christian soldier to wear the armor. There's, there's some wording that is used there with, within, within this, this passage that, that it kind of brings it all together. Basically saying, here is the armor. This is what you need to put on. And the way in which you do so, the way in which you are capable and able of bearing, caring, and being ready to fight is through prayer. Prayer is that final ingredient. We hear a lot of times the armor of God spoken on and talked about, and it ends in verse 17 because that is the last physical piece of armor that we put on. But really, it is continued in verse 18. It doesn't stop. It is not a, it's not a break in this section. It's just a new paragraph saying, in all moments, in all things, pray. It is through prayer that we're able to equip ourselves with the armor of God. Yes, we need to be in the word. That's a part of it. But yes, we we need to build our faith. And these things come through prayer. Prayer is what gives us the strength and the ability to win the fight. And I think about uh, when when Amalek attacked Israel, and we we, we can read that in Exodus. We're not doing that today. but, But Moses went to the mountaintop to pray. The Israelites are under attack, and Moses goes to the mountaintop to pray while Joshua used the sword down in the valley. It took both to defeat Amalek. It was both prayer and the sword. And so when Paul writes to us, he says, listen, you need the, the, the full armor of God, yes, but you have to pray. Our big idea today is this, without prayer, we cannot take up the armor of God. We have a weapon that is not used often enough. We have prayer. Ian Bounds, and we've quoted Ian Bounds probably way more than we ever will in any other series But Ian Bounds says this, prayer is the great universal force to advance God's cause. Not to pray is a denial of God, a denial of his existence, a denial of his nature, and a denial of his purpose toward mankind. When we neglect prayer, we are refusing God. We are denying his ability so that we can solely rely on our own. Praying is our secret weapon. Praying is our annexation of Puerto Rico. We need prayer to take up the full armor of God. We need prayer to take up the full armor of God. So let's walk through this text today as we, as we kind of understand what it is that Paul is fully explaining to us as, as we look at prayer as a weapon, as an ability, as a way to fight and combat the forces of evil around us. And like I said, there's a million different types of, of attacks that you may feel. It may be a financial attack. It may be a spiritual battle. It may be an actual physical attack on your health. It may be something within your business or, or your workplace. It may be relational in, in nature. But there are so many different attacks that we face and we're up against every day. And we need prayer. We need prayer to combat it. The first is this, pray always. The first thing you notice is pray Always. This does not mean uh, always saying prayers. We read in Matthew uh, 6 and 7, he basically says, don't be like the pagans who think that God hears them because of their many words, because of much speaking, if you look at it. Uh, He's saying, this is not what I'm talking about. This is not what praying without ceasing means. And when we think of the idea of of praying without, without ceasing, I almost said without ceasing, without ceasing, it's this, always be in communion with the Lord. Keep the receiver off the hook. How many of y'all remember when phones didn't have a button to turn? You actually hung up the phone, right? I'm hoping that most people in this room know what I'm talking about, right? 
it's the ones in the multi-purpose room that would be going, what are you talking about? Used to, and you would have to, never mind, just forget it. You couldn't get text messages, there's no screen. What kind of phone is that? A phone, that's what it is, not, right? Those are fun conversations. I had my nephew one time saw a cassette tape, and he was like, what is this? It's how we used to listen to music. How do you skip tracks? <laughs> how do you know what song's playing? It doesn't tell you on a screen. Like, oh my goodness. You're 16. Enjoy life. No, but we have to learn to keep the phone off the hook, essentially, right? Instead of being done at the end of our prayer and we hang up and we walk away and we say, that conversation is over, we're moving on. We go, you know what? Hey, it was good talking. We'll, we'll keep this open. If you have something to say, I'm still listening. Keeping the phone off the hook. So in those moments throughout the day, you go, my heart is open. My mind is open and I'm speaking. I'm listening. The Holy Spirit will speak to your heart. He'll speak to your mind if you're listening. If you're listening. If you're open to hearing the word of God. If you're open to hearing the leading of the Holy Spirit and and what God wants to say in and through us. And then he will lead our prayers as well. Pray always. Pray always. How many of you ever heard the idea of praying without ceasing and immediately felt defeated? Like, there's no way. Like, I, I appreciate the sentiment. I just don't get how that'll happen. I've got to enter some like trance-like state where my mind is just continually connected to God and I cannot separate and move from that moment. There are no bathroom breaks. There's no eating. There's no sleeping. You're to pray without ceasing and then you die, right? Essentially is, is kind of, it's that, it's a very defeating idea if you look at it just as, as words on a page and go, okay, this is it. I'm never going to amount to anything as a Christian because I can't do that, right? So put that idea aside and understand it is a condition of the heart. It's a condition of your heart. Say, God, my heart is open. I'm keeping the phone off the hook. I'm allowing it to be able to hear and to receive from you as you speak throughout the day and as I speak back to you. We're gonna have normal lives in the midst of all of this, but our hearts need to stay in an attitude of prayer, which means we stay connected to God throughout the day. I have six points today, so I am not going to take too long on any one thought. The next thing is we keep reading through uh, verse 18. It says, pray with all prayers. It says, pray with all prayers. You know that there's more than one kind of prayer? There's more than one kind of prayer. It's not just a a, a simple one type, one size fits all. In fact, uh, you can read in Philippians chapter four, first Timothy chapter two, but but it says that there are, there's prayer, there's supplication, there's intercession, there's thanksgiving. There are different types of prayer. And so when, when Paul writes, he says, pray with all kinds of prayer. So don't just pigeonhole yourself into one thing where it's just constantly and always asking for things and missing out on blessing that comes with intercessions and giving thanks. So there's so much more to it than just always and only asking for things. In fact, thanksgiving is a great prayer weapon for defeating Satan. The reality is praise changes things as much as prayer changes things. We are good in our culture and our society at at pigeonholing ourselves into praise and worship, right? In fact, years ago at the Azusa Street Revival, there was a prophecy that was given. And this, this, this rings so heavy in my heart that I go, this will not be us as a church. It says that they will one day worship a God they no longer pray to. And I said, not in my lifetime. I'm gonna do all I can to combat that. And that's why we are here today. 
And so, so praise changes things. Worship changes things, but so does prayer. And we can't have one without the other. We can't have one without the other. So, so we need to learn to give thanksgiving in our prayer. We need to learn to take moments to say, God, thank you so much for this moment. Thank you for what you have blessed me with. Thank you for what you have given me with. And, 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 and so there's so many things that we overlook and neglect that we forget that are blessings of God that when we begin to thank him for those, there is a refreshing and a reminder of the goodness of God in our lives. And that in itself is a blessing. And then intercession for others can bring victory to our own lives. There is a need for intercession for others. In Job 42, it says, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Think about that. Job in this moment of deep despair and, and feeling as if all is lost and, and God, why have, you, why have you done this? Why have you done that? And he stops and he prays for his friends and that's when the Lord turned the captivity of Job, of Job. Have you ever walked through a struggle or a storm in life and you've just wondered, why? Why? God, why am I going through this? Why am I facing this? And you want to play that game and start asking yourself, what have I done wrong? Why is God punishing me? And you go through this, you're like, what did I do, God, that, that you feel the need to, to punish me in this moment? And let me tell you this. First of all, that's not the way God operates. That's not how God's working. Yes, I said, there is the law of sowing and reaping. We will pay for our actions in, in some form or capacity. It's just a part of it. But God isn't up there trying to punish you. God loves you. He loves you. But sometimes he allows things and he allows storms in our lives so that one, we can learn how to, to we can, so that perseverance of our, our faith, right? So that we can become who God's developing us and creating us to be. And also so that we can then in turn help others who walk through those struggles, and then here's the other part of that is, so then we know how to pray for others walking through that struggle. How many of you know there's a big difference of saying, you hear somebody saying, oh, I'm going through this or that, and you have no connection to that, and you go, I'll pray for you. And then you just, Lord, help them with that. And then on the flip side, when there is a deep connection, when you go, I've been where you are, I know what you're feeling, I know how to pray for you. It changes the way you pray. All of a sudden you go, God, I know the hurt, I know the, the, the complete distraught that they're in. I know the isolation that they feel as if nobody's ever gone through this before. And it changes how you pray because now you've walked through this. So you have this moment and this struggle and this hardship. And then you go, I know how to pray for you. And through that, our intercession can go to another level and our ability to pray for somebody else can be heightened and increased. And out of that becomes, comes greater blessing, not only in our lives, but in their life as well. With all types of prayer. So not just, not just constantly saying, oh God, help me, help me, help me, but, but praying with thanksgiving, with, 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 with supplication, yes, with intercession, with intercession. Just saying, God, I'm not the only one who needs you. Number three, pray in the spirit. Pray in the spirit. Paul writes there in verse 18, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. Pray in the spirit on all occasions. The Bible formula is that we pray to the Father, through the Son, and in the Holy Spirit. In the spirit. Romans 8, 26 to 27 tells us that only in the spirit's power can we pray in the will of God. 
It's only in the spirit that we can pray in the will of God. Which means otherwise we could be praying out of the will of God unintentionally as we just begin to offer up words, as we just begin to say things. I would say this, it is very, very possible to pray fervently in the flesh and never get anywhere. And it's also very possible to pray quietly in the spirit and see God's hand do great things. In the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, there was a small golden altar and and it would stand before the veil and, and the priests would burn incense. And the incense is kind of this picture of prayer. But it had to be mixed according to God's plan and could not be counterfeited by man. The fire on the altar is a picture of the the Holy Spirit. He is who takes our prayers and ignites them in the will of God. So all throughout scripture, we see this formula in how to to operate and to work and to flow and to move. And and so we get to the New Testament and it, it, it stays the same while it is applied differently. And so, so Paul's saying, pray in the Spirit on all occasions. And, and, and being, being led by the Spirit in our prayers and being guided by the Spirit in how we pray and being in tune with God. And that's why when I come in here and I begin to pray and you hear me pray, and maybe you hear me, maybe you don't, maybe you're listening, maybe you're not, I don't know. But I pray all the time, oh God, lead us in your will and let us step into that. Let us be led of that. Not, not God, this is what we have planned and we want to do. Come bless this. I want to, I want to be led of God in our prayers and, and where we're going as a church so that I know we're walking and operating in what God is already blessing. Because I want to be led of the spirit. So when I pray, I pray in the spirit and I say, oh God, please come and lead us. Lead your church. Lead your church. Lead your people. I... Uh, it's incredible what happens when our prayers are ignited by the power of the Holy Spirit. There is a difference. And sometimes it's in the Spirit when our prayers become more fervent and they become louder because at least for me it is, that's the way I, I react. And it's just like, man, oh God, you're doing great things. I wanna, I wanna keep running with that. And, and I'm a fairly excitable person anyways. And so then whenever I feel any sort of igniting, I'm like, let's go, let's do this, come on. So I... I uh, we moved here from the country, right? And we lived out in, in Ellis County is where we lived technically. And we had an acre of desolate land. It was beautiful. And uh, we had no trees on our property and it was old hay fields and, and uh, there was no grass structure. So basically we just had huge cracks in our backyard. And it was like, hey kids, go play. Try not to break your ankle, right? And so it was a lot of fun. Uh, but we got a dog while we were there and it was like, we need a fence because he was a puppy and puppies just want to run and bless his heart. He wanted to run and didn't have anywhere to run because we didn't have a fence. And so we decided we need to put up a fence. And I thought, I got this. No big deal. I've built a few things. A fence is not very hard. So I get out there and I start to dig and I had to put in like 27 posts. And I've shared some of this before, but, but I start to dig using post hole diggers. Yeah, and a lot of you are going, bless your heart. You poor kid didn't have a chance, right? So I get out there and I've got work gloves on and I am just slamming away and pulling out dirt and just going to town one hole at a time. And finally, after about two or three holes of this, I was dying, physically exhausted, making almost no headway. And it was so depressing when I look up and I go, I've got three holes down, only 30 more to go. 
and then and then the sunset, and it was like there goes my daylight. I have there's nothing. We're, we're getting nowhere. It was one of the coolest moments in the world when my neighbor comes home and goes, "Hey man, I've got an auger. Would you like to borrow that?" And if you don't know what an auger is, it is this awesome drill-like tool made for doing just that and digging out holes in the ground for post. The best part is it's gas powered. You crank that thing and you go, like it goes down and, and it just starts throwing all the dirt out the top. It is just so great. It is, it really was like manna from heaven. It was so refreshing and it was a blessing. The next day I woke up, I had his auger. He's like, I'll grab it. You just keep it in your garage, use it as long as you need it. I was like, okay, great. I get out there the next day and I got like five holes done and realized we live on limestone. It is, I would say it's like drilling through rock, but it is <laughs> drilling through rock. And so I found though that I made more headway. I was like, man, this is great. So it was like, I was empowered when I was first digging these holes and I made a lot of headway. And then I found out that while yes, I'm not doing this over and over, my arms were on fire. It was amazing. I, I felt like I was ripped by the end. I was like, man, I was like so pumped and just like, but I couldn't use my hands anymore. Uh, so it was just this, this crazy thing. So I was empowered and then I got this great idea. I'm gonna go hire some workers. For about 120 bucks, I got all of my holes dug. It was great. And I thought about that when as I was getting ready with this is going, man, it's as if there was a spirit empowerment in digging those holes. As I was trying my hardest and I'm giving everything I got and I'm making no headway. I mean, we would still be trying to put up a fence today if I was just using that post hole digger. And then I got that auger and I'm trying to dig down and I only get so far. And I realized that by myself, I was never going to get it done, that I needed some empowering to come alongside of what I was trying to accomplish in order to make the headway I was trying to make. So by the end of day three, every hole was dug and the post could go in, which I thought I would do. And then I hired another guy to do that. True story. I'm just, it's confession time. Plus he did it way better than I would have because he built fences for a living. So, but there is this empowering and it's the same thing in our prayer life that when we just try to go after it on our own and we're just gonna pray and pray and pray and pray and pray, forgetting or neglecting where the spirit is leading, what the spirit is saying, what the spirit is doing, or, or trying to pray outside of the will of God and force things to happen. And God's saying, no, 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 my 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 outline for this is that you pray in the spirit. Pray alongside with me. Step into where I'm speaking, where I'm going. When our hearts become in tune with God and what God is speaking and what God is doing, it changes what we want to see happen. And we become in alignment with the will of God. And he's saying, pray in the spirit. We have to be in the spirit to pray in the spirit. And there's an empowering that comes alongside of it just like trying to dig a hole with post hole diggers or trying to dig it with other people with an auger that's just, it goes straight down. It was incredible how much faster things were done. I think in about three hours, we knocked out 20 holes. It was incredible. It was really cool. And when I say we, they, it's good. I went and got them water. Over and over. Number four. Pray with your eyes open. Now, hear me. 
How many of you know, how many remember being a kid and being in Sunday school and you would go to pray and then there was always that, that one kid who was doing the work of the Lord uh, and, and letting the teacher know Ryan had his eyes open. Like that was like the cardinal sin of all sins when you're four years old. Teacher, because teachers never have a name at four years old. Teacher, Ryan's eyes are open when we were praying. It's like I was on the fast track to hell, right? Like that's just, <laughs> that was it at that age. Like if your eyes were open while you're praying, you are, you're basically one step away from prison and then the death, it's like just not good, right? And I remember thinking that, and I remember the day that I had the realization of, wait a minute, the only way they knew was because their eyes were open. And it was like this, this freedom and this revelation that the Lord just spoke to me. And I was like, yeah. Because looking back, you go, four-year-old's not a prophet. God's not speaking to them. Clearly, they were headed there with me. You know, as... But Paul talks to us and he says, with this in mind, be alert. So be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of what's going on as you pray. Be alert. With this in mind, be alert. Uh, the, the Greek word for, for alert or, or be watchful is uh, agrepinio, and that's probably a horrible pronunciation, and so just pretend like it's right. And it means be alert. And the word actually, when you translate it, kind of this idea in, in our, our language today would be to be vigilant in awareness of threatening peril. Be vigilant in awareness of threatening peril. Meaning, be aware of the fact that the enemy wants to bring you down, that the devil is trying to bring you down. He's trying to tempt you. He's trying to take away your joy. He's trying to, to, to rob you of your peace. He's trying to disrupt your family. He's trying to, to disrupt the world in which you live in. Be aware. It says, be watchful. Be alert keeping on the alert. The phrase watch and pray occurs often in the Bible. So this idea that we have to pray with our eyes closed is actually kind of funny, but it's just a cultural thing that we've adopted, in case you're wondering. When Nehemiah was repairing the walls in Jerusalem and the enemy was trying to stop the work, Nehemiah defeated the enemy enemy by watching and praying. Nehemiah 4, 9 says, Nevertheless, we made our prayer unto our God and set a watch. He said, we watched and we prayed. Awareness. Watch and pray is the secret of victory over the world, the flesh, and the devil. Peter went to sleep when he should have been praying. And the result was a victory for Satan. God expects us to use our God-given senses led by the Spirit so that we detect Satan when he is beginning to work. We've been given senses so that we can be aware of what the enemy is trying to do and the attack of the enemy in our world and in our life. So when we pray, be watchful, be aware, be aware. That doesn't mean to be hypersensitive or to be jumping to conclusions in all moments and occasions. There are times when you can trace back things that are going on to, to poor decisions or things that we, don't, we do reap what we sow, but be aware of the fact that the devil goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he can devour. Temptation comes fast and furious. 
there are moments when, when we begin to lose our peace and lose our joy. The enemy does want to destroy and take away from us so that we are ill-equipped to be effective for use in the kingdom of God. That is his goal, that is his aim, is to keep us from being effective so that others cannot come to know Jesus. We must be watchful and aware in our praying. We, uh, I mentioned that we moved here kind of from the country. So we moved from a small town with an even smaller mindset, right? So the town was, was very much growing. And, and when I throw these numbers out there, it's gonna be really funny because it's like there's more than double in Lake Highlands what we came from in the whole town. So we moved from a town of about 30,000 people that is rapidly growing. It is one of the faster growing cities. And so they're projected to be near 50,000 by t- the end of 2020. So that's rapid growth. And, and it's crazy what's happening there. But, but they have a very small town mindset, right? So, so car doors were left unlocked. Uh, there, in fact, there would be times when I would, we would drive to church separately and I would just leave my car there and go home with her and forget to lock it and be like, oh, I'll just get it in the morning. And then doors at the house, we'd wake up and be like, oh, we forgot to lock the doors last night. Just a different world, different mindset. Moving here, we go, okay, we feel safe, but we have to be aware. You, you know, there, y'all are hearing some of those things and you're going, you don't lock your doors? We do now, right? There's, <laughs> hear me. We set the alarm, we lock the doors, we make sure the windows are locked. You know, it's just a different world. So we came from a place where there was no need for awareness because there was really nothing that we were too worried about on most occasions. We didn't really feel fear. It was a big deal when there was a murder in town, a murder in town, right? And you go, whoa, here's how, this this will tell you something. It made Dateline. Like that's how big of a deal. So we come from there. So there's zero awareness, you know, so you go, it's fine. We're safe here. And we come here, we go, okay, we need to be, we need to be aware. We feel safe, but we're not going to be ignorant and in our actions and in our approach to life. In the same way in our spiritual life and in our prayers, like we don't need to be ignorant to the fact that there are things and attacks that the enemy wants to bring, that the enemy wants to do. We need to be watchful and aware. We need to pray with our eyes open. Pray with our eyes open. God, make me aware of the attacks of the enemy. Make me aware of the temptation that's coming. Make me aware of when the enemy wants to rob me of my joy or rob me of my peace and so that I can combat that with prayer so that I can combat that with prayer. Number five, I've got two more, so I'm gonna try to be quick here. Number five is keep on praying. We've talked about this a few times in this series, so I'll be very, very quick here. The word perseverance means to stick it out and not quit. Stick it out and not quit. Keep on praying, keep on praying, keep on praying. And we talked about the idea that we used to have in church of of pray through, pray through. So the early believers prayed this way in Acts. You, you would see that, uh, that, that that's, this is how they operated. This is what they did. They just kept praying and kept praying that whenever, whenever Paul was in prison, what did the church do? They prayed. Uh, you know, it was in the last moment before it was too, God brings the answer and God makes a way, right? So it's, it's when this combination is crazy. Anyways, we're not getting into all of that, but Robert Law puts it this way. He says, prayer is not getting man's will done in heaven, it is getting God's will done on earth. A lot of times we quit praying just before God gives victory. Not everybody is, is, is designed and wired so that they can pray all night without breaking focus and concentration, but all of us can persevere a little longer in prayer. We can persevere a little longer in prayer. Keep on praying until the Spirit stops you or the Father answers you. 
then the sixth thing is this. Pray for all the saints. Pray for all the saints. The Lord's Prayer begins with our Father, not my Father. And that's key, that's crucial in understanding that he's, he's our Father collectively. And we can go to him for one another and for the needs of one another. We need each other. We need to pray for one another. We, we need to bear the burdens of one another. We cannot for a moment hope to make it on our prayers alone. I love learning things from the way God has designed things in nature and some cool stuff. There's, draft horses are very, very strong animals and they, they've been used for, for pulling. There's these huge horses that are just very, very strong. One draft horse can pull 8,000 pounds on his own which is really cool. And it also makes me go, how are they measuring horsepower in cars? Because I really don't think my car could pull 8,000 pounds. And apparently I have 290 horsepower, right? Like this just doesn't add up. It's more like pony power. That's okay. It's nothing to do with what we're talking about. Just a thought. So one horse can pull 8,000 pounds. That's, that's a lot of weight. And you would think naturally that two could pull 16,000 pounds, which you would be wrong. And in fact, they can pull 24,000 pounds. They can pull three times the weight together. They can pull three times the weight together. Here's where it gets even crazier. If those horses train together for any amount of time, they can actually pull four times. They can pull 32,000 pounds together. When one on its own can only pull 8,000 pounds. It's remarkable what we see when they come together and the amount of power and the force and the strength that they have together. It's the same way in our spiritual life. That when we begin to pray for one another, when we begin to bear each other's burdens, it gets a little lighter for all of us. And all of a sudden we can all take on more and we can all carry more and we can all endure a little longer and we can persevere a little longer until God brings the answer or God brings the provision or God brings the victory because we are now lifting each other up. We are now carrying the burdens of one another. See, it's not just about trying to endure and make it on our own with our head down and just digging in and going, I've got this, I've got this, I've got this. Me and God, we're gonna make it. But God said, no, I've designed you in, in, in two folds. One, you were designed to worship me and be in communion with me as the father. And two, you were designed for relationship with one another. Let's see what can happen if we merge those two together. If now your relationship with one another is also predicated and built on the relationship and communion you have with me as the Father, that now we bring our prayers and our requests to the Father together, how much more can we accomplish and do in the kingdom? How much more can we carry and how much longer can we persevere together when we begin to bear one another's burdens and begin to pray for each other and to lift each other up? God wants to do great things and it happens through prayer. It happens through prayer. I'll invite the worship team to join me this morning. Today, as we wrap up, I want to do two things. This is twofold into our ending and our conclusion of how we're wrapping this up today. One is they have, we have connect cards. On these connect cards, one of the things that we, we, we ask you to do from time to time is to grab those and, and fill them out if you're new, but they're also there as an opportunity for you to write down prayer requests. And so the first thing I wanna to do today is this. If you have a need, if you would grab that card, you can leave it anonymous. 
You can put your information if you want to. It, that, that, is, that is fully up to you. But if you have a need this morning, if you would grab that card, fill out your prayer request and just put it back in the basket. Put it back in the basket. It's that simple. And, and we as a staff and as a church, we wanna pray for your needs. We wanna bear your burdens with you. We don't want you to be alone in, in the, the fight and in the struggles of, of every day because the reality is we are in a spiritual battle. And we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that, that God can change things in prayer, through prayer, with prayer. So if you have a need, if you fill that out, the second thing is this. This morning, these altars are open for prayer. I know that in this room that there are so many different needs and different ideas of it. Just, it there's so many different things going on in this world. I get it. I would be naive to believe that, that because we are Christians and we all come to church together that our world and our lives are perfect and that at the end of the night we're gonna all sit around a campfire and sing Kumbaya together, right? That's not reality. That's not the reality. Being a Christian isn't just this immunity to struggle and hardship. In fact, it almost puts an air, you know, a target on our back where the enemy's going, I know who I want to take down today. I know who I want to take down now. I know who I want to see fail now. Listen, I know that, that in our worlds, there are, are, you may have a prodigal child where you're going, oh God, bring my child to you. My child is away from you. My child needs Jesus. And that may be where you are. And you say, I, I need prayer. I need my family, my church family to surround me in prayer. Maybe it's a financial need. Maybe it's a work-related thing. Maybe you're having struggles in, in your business. Maybe it's, it's relational in your home. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's relational just in your family, uh, an extended family. Maybe it's, I, I don't know what it is. You know the struggles and the hardships that you face. You know what you're up against. You know what you're up against. But I know this, that you have a church family that wants to pray with you, that wants to pray for you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. Grace Hill is always about knowing God and growing in God, and we want to hear from you. If you have a prayer request or a question, you can email us at info at gracehill.cc.